listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. privilege that we get to be able to share this incredible privilege of pastoring a great church with you all. We think we've got the greatest church on the face of this earth. Come on, who enjoyed that worship and praise today? Wasn't that off the charts? Off the charts. What an incredible job that they are doing. Great to have Pete's mum, Miss Janice, with us in the house. Peter's mother all the way from England is with us. So you have three English people in the house today and we're delighted about that. Who you're inviting for Easter? We've got some cards for you today. Some people have been asking on your way out today, we're going to give you a card. We don't want you to take hundreds. If you need a few, you can take them. But we want you just to really specifically go after someone and really specially invite them. Who's got someone that you're ready to invite for Easter? Come on, let me see your hands. Come on, what's wrong with every one of you? Come on, you're here because someone invited you. I said, who's going to invite someone to church for Easter? Let me see your hands. There you go. And remember what we said, any heathen goes to church on Easter so they can get here. So please go after them and do whatever you can to get them in the house. And we're just excited about that. Put your hand on your heart. We're getting ready to go into the message. But as I always like to do, I'd like to give you the opportunity to pray for yourself. Prepare the soil of your heart to be able to receive God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray, God, right now that you would touch our hearts, each and every one of us. That, God, you would give us the soil to receive your word today. That we would receive it with gladness. That, God, it would change our lives, it would transform our lives, and it would renew our lives. God, we came in one way, but we're going to leave another way. We're leaving free today. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, high five three people around you and say forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Come on, what a great series that we have been in this month talking about the Christian atheist. And I wonder with just the messages that we've covered, I wonder what your conclusion is. Are you a Christian or are you a Christian atheist? Do you kind of jump backwards and forwards? Because what is a Christian atheist? Let me help you. A Christian atheist is someone who says they believe in God, but yet they live as though he doesn't exist. They have a confession of their faith, but the actions of their life, the way they talk, the way they treat their spouse, hello, the way they talk to their boss and the way they act at work show something completely different to what they confess and profess. And we have a scripture for that. Are you ready? Titus 1, 16 says this. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. As a result, the thought is, it makes us detestable, disobedient, and unfit for anything that's good. I don't want to be detestable. I don't want to be unfit or disobedient. I don't want to be good for nothing, in other words. I want to be used by God, not just to claim to know him, But I want to live like I do. 
So in the journey, we started by asking the question, do I really know him? Do I really know him? How we can have a personal, intimate relationship with God. We then moved on to ask the question, am I living in shame? Is there guilt of the past in my life that I'm never breaking free? Always that stigma, always that thing that is holding me back. Last week, I think it was a real powerful day, we asked, does God really love me? A question, an answer, you must know. Yes, yes, yes. No matter how great your sin and how far away you may think you have gone, God's love is greater and further reaching than your worst sin. And today I want to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because here's the thought. Do we believe in God, yet we are unwilling to forgive or to be forgiven? Wow, this is a tough subject. I just want to say that from the get-go. I, I told myself when I was preparing this message, I probably wasn't going to get a lot of amens today. I, I was prepared to amen myself, pat myself. If you see me go like this a couple of times during the message, I'm just encouraging myself. Why? Because this is a tough subject. And we're going to come right into every one of your lives because I believe every one of us has something that maybe we're holding on to that is hindering our lives from the complete freedom of God. Look at this statement. Forgiveness is probably one of the hardest things that God will ever ask you to do. And in fact, he doesn't even ask you. He really commands you. And the thought is for this reason, because he knows how powerful forgiveness is. He knows what's going to happen to your life if you hold on to unforgiveness. And he knows that forgiveness is really more for you than it really is for them. Anyone who's been around me and heard me speak on forgiveness, unforgiveness before will know this next statement that I've said because I so believe in this. I've bought into this. I believe this is scriptural and biblical. And you need to hear me today. And that is this. Forgiveness is one-sided. Forgiveness is one-sided. It's on your side of the fence. Because it's between you and God. And I'm so glad, and you can say amen to this one, because here's the reason why. I'm so glad forgiveness is one-sided, because if it's not, it means I have to determine my life on whether someone chooses to forgive me or not. I can have the most sincere apology and come and say, I'm so sorry. And if they say no, then I can live unforgiven. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is one-sided. It's between me and God. May, I may have to ask forgiveness for other people, but no matter what they choose to do with it, I've just got to make sure it's right between me and God because He's the one that forgives and His forgiveness is immediate and complete. So I'm glad that I can get it right between me and God today And then he can take care of the rest. So in preparing for this message, I actually came across a story. And throughout this message, I'm going to be referring back to this story because I really believe it parallels today with our message. But yet is also a very accurate picture, perhaps even of situations and circumstances of our life. So let me read this story of a a young man that he writes in reference to a situation he went through in his family. He says these words, a close friend of mine, who was also my coach and teacher, abused my sixth grade sister. The brother recalled the struggle it created within him, how he was unwilling to forgive 
this man for the terrible things that he had done, not only to his sister, but later found out to many other young ladies also. He wrote, To say I wanted that man to die and to burn in hell doesn't even come close to conveying how much I wanted him to suffer for what he had done. As an older brother, I was supposed to be my sister's protector. And I failed her when she needed me the most. Today, hopefully, your experience is nothing as drastic and as a big of hurt and something as deep as that. But unfortunately, the chances are good that you have or someone you know has been abused. I was alarmed when I saw the stats that in America they say one in three girls and one in four boys have been or will be sexually abused. That's horrific. Absolutely horrific. There are other betrayals that we go through. Maybe someone has betrayed you. You opened up to them. You told them all your deepest, darkest secrets and they went public with it. And they told everyone and brought the shame and guilt back upon your life. Maybe someone took advantage of your kindness and your heart that you had. You loaned them some money. You helped them for them just to rob from you and take from you. And all the promises they made to pay you back and to be there have never come true. Maybe today it's a spouse, maybe a parent, just a deep disappointment that you have had in your life. Perhaps even right now, you're still reeling in pain from the hurt of being trampled by someone you loved and trusted. Hurts, wounds, pain. And the question, how could they do this thing to me? How? How? Someone sent me a text this week, and I thought this is pretty interesting too. And I thought, yeah, there's a whole other side and another dimension too, because someone talked about When we talk about forgiveness, they said in the text, many times we talk about the victim forgiving the person who committed the crime. But what about the person who committed the crime? They need forgiveness too. So whatever side you fall on, maybe you are the recipient of what someone done, or maybe you're the cause of doing something to hurt someone. Listen, forgiveness is still the answer. And forgiveness is still what you need. And if you don't deal with it, you'll never be free. But today, you see, we're not here to talk about the pain. We're not here to talk about the specifics and the details. We're not here to talk about the sin that was committed against you or what you committed. But what we are here today is to talk about the effect it will have and is having on your life and your future if you do not forgive. Most of us as Christians know this. We're supposed to forgive. We know that. But then we allow our Christian atheism to to register in our hearts. And then we begin to say, okay, I know I should forgive. However, there's exceptions to that rule when it deals with that person or what they have done. I just want to go on record by saying this today. You better be glad 
that there are no exceptions to God's forgiveness. Because every time you look in the mirror, you're probably looking at an exception that is glad that his forgiveness is complete and thorough. Come on, because we're all guilty. We're all guilty. We've all wronged someone and hurt someone. And we better be glad that there are no exceptions to his forgiveness. But his forgiveness is complete and his forgiveness is real. But to forgive, pastor, come on. There's no way. No way. I can do that. I want to take you on a journey today. Because I want to discover today where unforgiveness will take you. And then I want to discover where forgiveness will take you. Because I want to present to you the options today that you can choose your destination of choice. You can choose to unforgive or to not forgive and live in unforgiveness. Or you can choose today... To live in the forgiveness and let go of that thing. Because it is your choice. We may turn around and say, no, they made the choice. No, the choice is still yours. Someone may have done something, but the choice to be offended of that is not what they have given, but what you've received. Because offense is never given. It's only ever taken. It's only ever received. The choice is yours today. And you need to take control over that choice. Because the choice will determine your future. Simple message really today. We're going to talk about two points and we're going to talk about three steps on the second point. Step number one is this. Unforgiveness brings bitterness. Unforgiveness will bring bitterness in your life. Maybe you, like so many people, feel justified in your bitter hatred. The Bible shows us the danger to this natural response because that's the natural response. So many times when someone hurts us, we're just angry and we're mad. That's the natural choice. What do we want to do? We want to hold on to it and not let it go. I'm reminded of a story I heard many years ago, but I think it really shows this point. A man was in an aeroplane. He was the co-pilot. It was just a small little plane. They were taken off. And as they began to take off, the door of the plane flew open. The pilot still under control. The co-pilot, he went and he tried to close the door. And when he went, because of the pressure, the suction and everything that was involved, he was sucked out of the aeroplane. The pilot couldn't believe what had happened. He radios, mayday, 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 need emergency landing. They clear everything. He comes back around. He lands the plane. He's freaked out. He comes out of the plane. And to everyone's amazement, here was the man holding on to the undercarriage of the plane. He had grabbed the wheel and he had held on to it. But when they tried to tell him to let go, Because of the shock, because of the moment that he had been in, his mind and everything was telling him it's safe to let go, but his body would not comply. And not to be grotesque, but this is the details of the story. They had to break every one of his fingers in order to pry him away from that airplane. You see, that's a picture of what bitterness wants to do to you. It wants you to hold on so much. Everything around you is screaming, I know I don't need this and it's destroying my life. I'm safe. I can let go. It's ground. But yet the enemy wants to keep us so tormented that we will hold on. And what happens? The more we hold on, the more pain it's going to cause for our lives and for our future. Hebrews 12 and 15 says these words. 
It says, look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, what? By the bitterness, the root of bitterness, the Bible says many have become defiled. Defiled is a biblical word. In the Old Testament, if you were defiled, it was known as you were unclean. You had touched something. You had been around something that you shouldn't touch. As a result, you were isolated or separated for a period of days. You couldn't be around people. You couldn't be involved with people. That is two of Satan's most powerful weapons that he will use against you. Isolation and separation. And what brings us to that place of defilement? Bitterness. That root that we will not let go of. And Proverbs 18.1 tells us, A man or a woman, a person who isolates, separates himself, seeks his own desire and rages against everything that is wise, everything that is true, and everything which is God. I wonder how many of us do that. You see, the Message Bible says this. It says, keep a sharp eye out for the weeds of bitter discontent. Because one thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. We like to think, well, hey, my bitterness is just against them. My issue I'm dealing with is just against them. But what we fail to realize is we can have an issue against one person, but then when it becomes inside of us, it's not just towards one person. It will affect every part of our life. Roots of bitterness will grow in the soil of hurt that has not been properly dealt with. Look at roots. Google it. Research it when you get home. One thing you'll find about roots is this. They bring structure. They bring stability, yes. But one of the main factors a root does is it absorbs that which it's in and it stores. For what reason? So it can take the nutrients. It can take the water. It can take the life up to the rest of the plant, to the rest of the flower, to the rest of the bush and the tree. So what's absorbed is going to take up. So the roots are the means of life or death. For any particular plant or flower. The roots of your life can be the difference between life and death. Because you see, bitterness wants our hearts to absorb and store hurt, anger, hatred, and thoughts even of revenge. I want to show you something today. Can I show you something today? I want to use this illustration. I want to make this water. This water is now... Just something that someone's done against us. And the sponge is our life. Our life is kind of free and and we're light and life is good and life is great. But what do we do? If we allow unforgiveness and that root of bitterness to grow in our life, then what we do is we allow that stuff to be absorbed into our life. We take it in. So now a life that was once light and free is now a life that's heavy. Because now we're carrying more than we do. But I want to show you something else about this life. You know what else happens with this life? What happens is every relationship, everywhere you go, every person you're in contact with, guess what happens? The bitterness, 
That thing that you have absorbed into your life comes out. You're trying to have a great relationship with someone, but guess what? That bitterness is just destroying every new relationship, every new opportunity that you could ever have for your life. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible's pretty cool. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible says this. Love keeps no record of wrong. That's really powerful right there. Because bitterness is a different story. Bitterness knows every detail. Come on, we, we, we can remember where they were, what they were wearing, what time it was, what was playing on the radio, what we were watching on TV. We can remember everything of those situations. Why? Because bitterness wants to hold on to those things. Let me read that verse again from the New Living Translation. It says these words, because I need you to see the effect, because we're looking at the journey of unforgiveness and forgiveness today, where it's going to take your life. And I need you to see the harm and the effect of bitterness. It may feel good and it may feel justified at first, but it's something that's short-lived and will become your own torment and pain. The Bible says this, it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up troubling you and corrupting many. You see, here's the truth about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. It's not going to happen. It's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. And it doesn't kill you fast. It kills you really slow. It lets you suffer. It lets you feel that you know it's a slow and painful death. Back to our original story of that young man. He said these words. I took my sister's offense as my own. I allowed her wound to become the stain and to pollute And to contaminate my heart. He says the bitterness was frighteningly easy to justify. Since my sister was wronged. So therefore I had the right. To feel this way. I want you to know something today. You don't have the right. You have the choice. Big difference right there. Because just because someone wronged you and hurt you. Doesn't mean you have the right now to not forgive them, because we're going to discover that you don't have the right. Listen to me, someone else's wrong can become your wrong. It never makes their wrong, never makes your wrong right. And you've got to be so careful because we don't have the right today, but we have the choice today to choose not to forgive. And the longer we allow the roots of bitterness to bore deeper into our lives, and we allow the poison to spread, the harder it will be to kill. I didn't say impossible, but I said harder. Harder. So unforgiveness brings bitterness. Not good, but forgiveness. Point number two. Forgiveness brings freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. If there any gardeners here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can plant flowers and it takes forever for them to grow. I've never planted a weed, but they sure grow. 
Never watered weeds, never fed weeds, but they sure don't need my help. They can grow all by themselves. I can have a pretty beautiful garden and love it. Come back the next day and the weeds are like six foot tall. Okay, exaggerating, three foot five. Come on, they, they just grow so quick. They just spring up and it messes up everything and they grow so much quicker. So what do we do? There's a couple of approaches. We can get the weed eater out. We can just knock it down. Looks good again, but it's going to come back. We can even believe the, the lie of Roundup, that it will even kill the root. It's, it's a lie. They come back. They come back. No matter how strong it is, they come back. Because there is no substitute for what really needs to happen. We like the temporary fix, the quick and easy fix. But I'm telling you, the only true way, you've got to pull it up by its roots. And thank God His Word shows us how can we uproot, how can we pull up the roots of bitterness, and God shows us we've got to use the shovel of forgiveness. The shovel of forgiveness. But as a Christian atheist, we can avoid and deny God's proven solution. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says these words, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, that's a cool word for loud quarreling, And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even, even, even as God in Christ forgave you. What have we just heard there? We've got to forgive as we have been forgiven. That really changes everything. That I've got to forgive in the same way that I was forgiven. The Message Bible even goes one step further. It says, forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. And please, please, please listen to me. Stay with me. Stay with me today. Because I know there's some of you that hear things like that and say, there's no way I can forgive. Pastor, if you only knew, there's no way I can forgive. Please, I beg you today, keep your heart open just to hear the rest of my message. Don't allow the enemy to tell you to shut off because I'm telling you, the crime that was committed against you was a crime. It was a sin. We can all admit the fact it was sin and you were wrong. But that wrong is not going to bring you freedom. Only forgiveness in Christ will bring your freedom. Yes, forgiveness is easier said than done. But God's power, His help, can bring us to the place of being willing to forgive. You see, human willpower will never cut it. Well, I'm just going to tell myself, because there's always going to be a greater reason why you should. And if human willpower could cut it, Christ would have never had to come and die for us because we could have taken care of our sins ourselves. But Christ knew that we couldn't. And man cannot do it on their own. We need the help of a Savior. Listen to this cool story today. It's the story of two monks. It's a medieval story that captures the manner, I believe, in which bitterness wants to hold you prisoner in your life. The story says long ago, two monks were traveling and approached an unusually rough river. Standing alone on the bank was a woman who approached the monks and asked if they could help her cross so she could return home to her family. Knowing it was forbidding, 
to touch a woman, one of the monks quickly looked the other way, ignoring her request for help. The other monk, feeling compassion for the desperation of this lady, decided to bend the rules. Breaking tradition, he lifted her up into his arms and carried her safely across the rushing water. Exceedingly grateful, the lady thanked the helpful monk and left for home. The two monks walked off and continued their journey. After miles of silence, the first monk finally said with disgust, I cannot believe that you picked up that woman. You know we are never supposed to touch the opposite sex. To which the compassionate monk replied, I put her down miles ago, yet you have continued to carry her in your heart. Month after month, year after year, we can still be carrying those things in our hearts that will destroy our future. I want to give you some practical steps to help you. Because obviously, if you haven't figured it out already, we want you to choose forgiveness. Because God's word is very clear with that. And I want to give you three practical steps that I believe will help you to forgive or to be forgiven for what you have done. Step number one, pray for them. Pray for them. Oh man, I'll pray for them. Let's look what God's word says on how we should pray. Luke 6 and verse 28. A lot of us know 638. Because Luke 638 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking. Oh, we love that. But what you need to realize is that's a principle of life. And really, Luke 6.38 is speaking to and referring to what we are reading in Luke 6 verse 28, which is forgiveness. Because Luke 6.28 says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those. Pray for those who, what? Spitefully use. Come on, I'll bless them, all right? Five knuckles of blessing. Come on, I'll pray for them, all right? God, give them cancer, give them sickness. May everything that... Come on now, I'm not the only one that's prayed that way to people. We think we're good, we're praying, we're spiritual, we're praying. Thank you, Jesus. I remember years ago hearing Jimmy Swaggart talk about the fall and the failure of his life. And he talked about being a public figure, how his fall and failure was publicized. For the whole world, his shame was taken to the whole world. And he talked specifically about one anchor man locally who made it his job and life's mission to destroy him and to do everything he could to destroy his ministry and everything that they had built. And he said one day he was praying and he was praying a prayer, he says, that God didn't hear. He was saying, God, take that man out. God, 
take him down. And while he was praying a prayer that God wasn't listening to, God spoke to him and said to him these words. I want you to pray again for that man. But this time I want you to pray that I will give him the same forgiveness that you need from me. That's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray that the same grace and mercy that God has given to us is the same grace and mercy that God will give to them. Praying for that person can be awkward at first. It can be a reluctant prayer. We may not get many words out. We may even struggle with their name. Because it's tough. But we see it again in Matthew 5, 43 and 44. This is the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus taught them Beatitudes, attitudes that need to be in your life. And Jesus said these words. He said, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. That was a man-made rule because man liked that. I'm going to love who's lovable and I'm going to write off who I don't want in my life. I'm going to love the good and I'm going to hate the bad. Jesus said, hold on a second, that's not what I've said, and this is who I am. He said, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to bless those who curse you. I want you to do good to those who hate you, and I want you to pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. I think there's a lot of powerful things about prayer. We could talk for hours about prayer. It's incredible. What a privilege it is that we get to talk to God. It's amazing how many coincidences happen when we begin to pray. Amen. But you know, one of the great things I think of prayer when it comes to this subject is this. Are you ready? You can pray from a distance. You can pray for someone without having to be in the same proximity as them. So you can pray for them while you're separated. You can pray for them while issues. You can still pray for them because prayer knows no boundaries. Because we are praying and conversating and giving it to God. And God is able to do anything that we could even imagine. Begin to pray for them. It may be short bursts at first. But I'm telling you something that you are going to discover and mark my words. As you begin to pray for them, you're going to realize that your prayer is more for you than really it is for those who have offended you. Being a Christian atheist, we struggle to pray because we still want to justify our hurt and pain. Hold on a second. If you really, I know what happened to me. There's no way that I'm going to pray. I believe many are reluctant to forgive because they don't really know the truth about true forgiveness. I haven't got time today, but get me, let me give you one truth of true forgiveness. Are you ready? Forgiveness isn't trust. Forgiveness and trust are two different things. A lot of people think I can't forgive them because then I've got to let them straight back into my life. I've got to open the doors and life goes back. as not. No, no, no. Forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness in God is immediate. Trust is something that maybe with God's help and strength in the right environment over a period of time, it may come back, but it may never come back. Trust is not, or your forgiveness is not determined upon the trust coming back. Forgiveness is dependent upon God. Trust is how you feel about someone else. Forgiveness is for God. Step number two. 
Ask God to change your heart. Our prayer too often is change them. Where God says, let me change you first. Colossians 3.13 says these words around many. It says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. See it at the end? Forgive as God has forgiven you. I smile when I read verses like that because I know exactly how we think. But God, what they've done is a whole lot worse than what I've ever done. I mean, you forgave me for a whole lot less than what they... We compare the sins and we line them up. There's so much worse than our sin. Sin is sin. I hate to tell you this. Sin is sin. There's no degrees to sin. It's separating factor, period. So we can line it up and say the sin is worse, where God says sin is sin. And no matter how good you think you are and how well you may have lived in your life, I'm telling you right now, the sin debt that was hanging over your life is something that none of us could afford to pay. It was greater than anything. and That's why Christ had to come and he had to die in our place. And he gives us forgiveness with no strings attached. You may go on one step further and say, yeah, but I'm not God. Amen. Thank God. But Philippians 4.13 tells me this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So that means I, I, I can do it even though not being God Because I get all of God with me to help me to do what I need to do. So here's the struggle. We want to obey God and we know we should. But yet, yet, we still want to continue to hate, seek revenge, see them suffer. Back to our story The young man writes, I decided it was time to forgive. Notice I use the word decide because this was a decision based purely on my choice to obey Scripture and not a decision based on whether I felt like forgiving. Nothing in me felt like forgiving him, but I still made the choice that day to try time to make the decision today. Oh, there's still going to be a struggle because you're going to want to bounce backwards and forwards between forgive and unforgive, forgive and forgive, hatred, love, compassion, revenge. But you've got to make that choice today. And how we can make that choice is to ask God to change our heart because God can do something remarkable with our hearts. Ezekiel 36, 26 talks about this. He says these words. Come on. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. That's key. Not just a heart, but spirit. The Bible says that when God made man, he breathed his spirit into man. He gave life. When David sinned in Psalms 51 with Bathsheba, he said, God, forgive me, create in me a new heart. But then he says what? And renew a right spirit. Why? Because God wants to give you a new heart, but a new life. Because that unforgiveness will take all the life out of you. 
It will affect and impact every area of your life. And God says to Ezekiel, to each and every one of us, I will take your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Give you a heart that's soft and pliable. I will give you a new heart. That young man went on to say, with God's help and only God's help. I had done something I thought was humanly impossible. But as I made the decision to forgive, I felt as though a massive weight had lifted off of me. What he was saying was this. I allowed my life of all the filth and the junk to be completely purged and clean. So now I'm light and free and I'm not stained any longer. And every relationship and everywhere I go is now what? Impacted for the good, not the bad. Because God has changed my heart. Step number three. No U-turns permitted. You've got to refuse to allow anything or anyone to stop you from moving forward into your newfound freedom. The enemy don't like you being free. He wants to bring them back. He wants to bring the thoughts back. Come on, you've got to realize, don't let anything stop you. Look at this statement. Forgiveness sets you free. It doesn't make them right, but it makes you free. I want to say that again. Forgiveness sets you free. Never making what they did right. They were wrong, but it sets you and I free. Galatians 5.1, an incredible passage. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand and never again let anyone put on you a harness of slavery. Notice what it says, never let anyone put on you. In other words, you let them put it on you. When you choose not to forgive, you choose to take that offense that is never given. It's only received and you put it on you and it becomes a bondage and you are bound by it. King James Version says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. You are forgiven in him and do not be entangled again. Come on, say with me, no U-turns permitted. Come on, say it like you mean it. No U-turns permitted. Don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Unforgiveness. Now, your stand, your future. People have said, well, now I've forgiven them. What next? Your future may involve you having to sit down with that person. It may involve a conversation by phone, by text, by letter. That you would say to that person, I forgive you for the crimes, the sin that you have committed against me. Whatever the pathway may be, the pathway to bring peace and closure for your life, I'm telling you this, trust Him and He will show you. For some of us though, we concern ourselves about what do I do then? That we don't do what we need to do now. Don't concern about that. 
Come on, don't concern yourself about what if. Concern yourself with right now. Because I'm telling you that God can do a work inside of your heart that you will not be the same person you are right now. So you're thinking this way right now, but God wants to do something that tomorrow, the next day, you'll be thinking a completely different way. Why? Because as you begin to forgive, the process of forgiveness begins to take place in your life and you change and you are a new person. And whatever lies ahead, God's going to, perfectly plan and prepare you for that. But what do we do? Take one step at a time. It's one-sided. It's between me and God first and really only. It's nothing to really do with them. It's between me and God. Realize the harm and destructive nature and the intent of unforgiveness and bitterness. Get down and pull it up from the root. What are the steps that we told you to do? Pray. Ask, come on, pray for them, pray for you, continue. Come on, pray for them, pray for you, continue. Repeat if you need. Pray for them, pray for you, continue. Pray for them, pray for you, continue. Don't stop because I'm telling you, that is a foolproof way of living in the freedom and the liberty of God. I want to close. Remember our story? We can't leave our story hanging. Listen to this says these words, one day I decided to write to that man a letter expressing my forgiveness, which wasn't an easy task for me to do. I explained how much God had forgiven me. I told him the story of Jesus and the love that he has for us. I explained how I had forgiven him and that God could as well. I even included a short prayer asking Jesus to heal his heart and to forgive his sin. What I didn't realize that day was by the time he would receive this letter, he was fighting a losing battle with muscular dystrophy. Months later, a letter came back to me and it was a letter from this man's hospice nurse. And she said to me these words. When that man received your letter, he was no longer able to physically see. And he asked if I would read that letter to him. She said, he never explained to me what he had done, but in reading your letter, I knew that he had grievously harmed you or someone close to you. She recalled as he listened to the letter with tears streaming down his face. And he said to her, would you pray that prayer with me? And together they prayed the prayer. She went on to write that immediately his whole countenance changed. As he asked Christ to forgive him and make him new. And she says, just a couple of days later, he died. As a Christian atheist today, we can rationalize as many excuses as we need to avoid forgiving. But as a Christian, we find in God the sheer strength To battle through those feelings, the anger, the hatred, the bitterness. 
and to fight our way back to the cross. Because the cross is where Christ forgave each and every one of us. And the cross is still the place by faith we can run to to find the strength and the help and the ability to forgive those who have wronged us. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.